0: Hey guys, welcome to the second part of the 65th episode of Just Shoot It, a podcast about filmmaking, storytelling, and directing. I'm Oren Kaplan, and my co-host Matt Enlow is off shooting somewhere, so it's just me here letting you know that we had a really amazing conversation with director Bill Watterson about his movie Dave Made a Maze. It's a really cool, inventive movie, and we talked to him for a really long time, so we split this podcast into two episodes. So here is the second half. Enjoy it.
1: The shooting space was so small. I mentioned earlier, we only had room for two sets at a time. So one set was being built while we were shooting another. And then, um, so literally if you're watching the dailies, as soon as I call cut, like the set next door is being built. Right. All right, quiet, 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 quiet. All right, roll sound. you know, that, that went on the whole 20 days. None of the sets were standing for more than a day. That Kubrick quarter that we talked about that I love. I think it was standing for three hours like (laughs) it it took longer to build and take down than it was actually alive for us and there's this huge climax where where the maze is imploding so we had this schedule where uh on on a set that wasn't quite built we would block the actors real quickly have a quick blocking rehearsal send the actors to vanities quickly come up with um our shot list based on some of the blocking that we saw um shoot the scene wrap the actors get them onto the next set and basically repeat that process and then when the actors left for the day we would shoot the destruction of of the sets Mm -hmm. so that in the end the entire maze is imploding and collapsing but so each set was basically shot and destroyed each day you shot the destruction without the
0: people in it yeah just like yeah. a wide low angle or something
1: yeah well we chose a couple different things um some of it we could actually shake the walls some of it was some camera shake a lot of hazers um dropping stuff from above because the walls were only ever 12 feet tall so you know pa's on ladders dropping debris and smoke and stuff like that and shooting it slow motion so everything looks like epic and larger and and, and weightier than it is but because everything was being built on the fly and because we were shooting on the fly, um, a lot of our shot lists had to go out the window because the set was much smaller than we thought, or it didn't do. Some of the gags didn't do quite what we thought they were going to do when you're doing all practical gags and you don't have enough pre-production, a lot of things go wrong in the moment. And you're like, there's one scene that I rewrote. Because I was like, well, okay, the stuff that we thought was going to happen isn't ha- the origami pit scene mm-hmm. when they're attacked by these giant cranes. The you know the, in the script the cranes fly down from the uh, from the opera seats and there's this whole battle, and it just wasn't going to happen. It wasn't working, and I didn't know that until the day up. So as I was like, take five and I just went in. I, I was going to say my office, but I just went in a corner I mean, and toolbox, box. yeah, and rewrote the scene to to do. We could shoot what we could actually physically do. And that happened a couple times with a couple gags. That was the one that stood out the most um, as like actually having to be radically rewritten. And then because it was being rewritten, then we had to identify certain things completely differently than we had
2: intended with storyboards and stuff like that. Did you, because of the nature of the way that you're building and and shooting things, did you get to shoot in any sort of sequence? Like, were you allowed to shoot in order or? Definitely not in order, but we were lucky in that the
1: apartment took up two-thirds of the whole space mm-hmm. the apartment that is sort of the the bookends the film um so we didn't actually see what the maze was going to look like until day six i think and when it, when that first maze entrance went up and you saw what they were going for everyone everyone's shoulders just went down an inch or two and we're mm-hmm. like this is gonna be cool yeah man And whereas I completely freaked out and I was like, this is so brilliant. and I don't have any idea how to shoot it, (laughs) Um, (laughs) but, uh, I got over it. But, um, what was nice about that is we got to start at the beginning, Mm -hmm. um, which was great because we got to work with just Nick and Mira really establish that relationship, bring in Adam who was a known quantity for me, Mm -hmm. um, and get that sort of core friendship going. And then I think, I think Scott Krinsky was the next one to come in who I also had known personally. So we didn't start with 12 people. Mm-hmm. I think it was day three before we had that huge group scene with all the actors, right? right which yeah. was really nice. Cause I got to meet like James came in, uh, on day two for his wardrobe fitting while we were working with Adam and Nick and Mira. And it's like, so it was like, it was sort of slowly adding the pieces and not getting too overwhelmed too yeah. fast. So smart, um, so smart, which was yeah. lucky. Yeah, and yeah. then and so we shot the beginning and the, and the, the end of the movie basically mm-hmm. in the first week because gotcha. the apartment, they, they, survive spoilers they survive and come out in the apartment so we had to shoot that um and then there's that sort of emotional climax that's very arty and and indirect where there um it seems like nick and mira have come back and 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 gotten back home but it's actually a, a, an illusion and and the apartment gets increasingly mazeified and like mm-hmm. scene by scene like more and more cardboard is sort added of almost like in a mirage or exactly they're of, stuck yeah. in a loop and they yeah. sort of have to fix their relationship before they can escape the loop basically um mm-hmm. and that was shot in the apartment but it, it, that was shot in sequence because we it, it kept adding cardboard the maze kept sort of the the more successful they were at getting to the heart of their relationship and to the heart of each other the more unsuccessful the maze was at faking them out and making them think they were safe and back in the apartment so it just became more and more cardboard as we shot along so we shot that and that whole scene we shot in in one day that was was the last day we had the apartment because we were covering the walls with cardboard to to make that scene come alive and then we had all our walls walls covered with cardboard for the next set you know and your ad helped you plan this whole thing he's a godsend i mean there were a lot of ads who were like whoa this isn't even my friends and family rate i can't do this Mm -hmm. um and he was like i love your script dude great he was was a young gun (laughs) and he just loved the script and i was like okay I trust you (laughs) because we're shooting in a week. Um, But he was not only was he great at like being willing to be the bad guy when everyone was having fun and the actors were joking around and I didn't want to discourage them from having fun. But I really needed them to focus up. He was great at being the bad guy for that. But his scheduling was so tight. We went into overtime with the actors maybe twice. We shot this whole thing in 20 days. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, principal was 20 days. In fairness, we had four days of pickups with a a zoetrope and a puppet scene and and some miniatures and stuff like that. But actually working with the cast, we had only had 20 days in one space, one room. And he, he scheduled it so tightly. All all the stuff I was talking about, like the being able to shoot the destruction while something else was being built and wrapping this and boom, he, he, he and the art director just got together with, okay, physically, what, what can we fit in the space? And if I need these walls and these walls, that means I can shoot this scene and this scene, but I can't shoot this scene until I have two days to turn these walls into something else. And they, you know, it was, it was extremely stressful. It was, it was very much a team effort, but that, that AD was outstanding. And he was part of a brain trust that I developed, which I'm sure every director does, but for me, it was revelatory, um, between the, um, the AD, the script supervisor, Amy Arter and my cinematographer, Jonathan Bowl, it, that just sort of became, okay, if the four of us say it's okay to move on, it's okay to move on. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you can't let, it's interesting. It's, it's such a weird balance because you can't let everybody feel like it's up to them. Right. But at right. the same time, you have to collaborate with everybody. So everybody has to feel like they're contributing, but everybody has to know they're also a cog right um without feeling disrespected or, or small um um but i just had a brain trust with them of like n- none of the four of us were going to let us leave a room until we had the scene covered um so it was great with like the amy arder saying like does it buy you anything if you know you get this entrance a little quicker for this and then and then when i was like i think i'm ready to move on alex the, I, alex armero the ad would say um do you need them coming in from the left because of what we shot mm-hmm. in the other, you know, and, and they made me, you know, they challenged me to, to be like, no, I don't need that because, you know, which right. was good. Yeah. And, the continuity direction continuity is probably tricky
0: when you <laughs> only have one room to shoot at a time.
1: Exactly. And we were saved because the movie is so modular. They're going from room to room that like, and, right. and we had Leonard, this character's, uh, arc to cut away to, Um, to make you feel like, well, okay, we see them in this room and then we see Leonard and then we see them in this room and you get the sense that they've been journeying for hours in between. So you don't necessarily, we we stayed on top of it, but you don't necessarily have to go, okay, if Nick left, then Mira, then Adam, then in the next scene, it's got to be Nick, then Mira, then Adam. We did do that, but we also knew that we didn't have to be super tight about screen direction and things like that because the whole point is it's, it's this organic thing that's growing and they're getting lost
2: and they're walking miles and miles. So, and you, you could know. like even an edit kind of tweak those things if you'd wanted to. Yeah. You yeah. Know, like, oh, okay. This thing needs to happen a little bit sooner. Like that's not, yeah, the I,
1: I, just I'm not hundred percent sure we did that, but I know we were excited about how modular it was in the edit. Cause right. we're like, we, we, we can change when they're in this room. Right. You know, we don't, you're not because the rooms were never the thing I was saying. I was so jealous about Chattanooga for because the rooms were never actually standing next to each other. You could never go from one set into the next set. Right. Would you just build like kind of corners so you can shoot through? The yeah, door? they did a really good job of um, of entrances and exits that uh, were shadowed and, and you know, a, a false walls to make it seem like right. it went on forever and stuff like that. Have you guys seen Cube movie? I saw it at a bar with the sound off. And I was like, <laughs> yeah. I need to see this movie in, in college. <laughs> you know what it's I mean? Just,
0: like, but it's like a sci-fi story where they cast like five people that look like famous american actors but they're just canadian actors. <laughs> um and, but they built one cube and they would just change the lighting you know each cube is a different color and it's they're in this giant three-dimensional grid of cubes you right. know there's six pathways they can go from each room and then they would just you know put different traps and things in each room and it was really cool we definitely we had
1: like a we had like maybe 20 feet of a hall that was like an S yeah, and um cool. we shot it 100 different ways like we just we re- we lit it differently we moved boxes around we hung we hung actual swinging lights that had cardboard covered on them like practicals that were in the shot but there's a couple chase sequences which is just running down the same Uh, hall over uh, and over and over and like shoot
2: the feet shoot the you know shoot the shoulders
1: shoot the you know
2: shoot the close-up on the minotaur's nose well i I think also like because there's such a handmade quality to your film you know any like you know like okay there's probably not literally like an acre of of cardboard maze but that's part of the charm of it Right. Yeah. We, right. we
1: always said that the, the jankiness, that was the word that we used the most on set. The jankiness was baked in like Right. The, it, of course, the practical <laughs> effects were too. If, if it's a movie about an artist who makes things with his hands and everything, then of course, you're using stop motion and right. miniatures and puppets. You have to, it, or otherwise it's just a wasted opportunity, but also because it's made by hand, it's okay. If the glue drips, the mm-hmm. glue sticks are dripping off and there's pencil marks and you know, Right. It's okay if the walls wobble a little bit like that's that's yeah. that's part of its charm. And somebody asked me what I would have done differently with 200 million dollars. And I was like, I don't make a shittier
2: movie probably yeah. because yeah. that was sort of the whole point. Sure. Was like build right. the whole maze maybe. Right. Right. And yeah. we had talked about shoot it on green screens. All <laughs> CG yeah, maze. Like, I don't
1: I don't I wouldn't have enjoyed that for this. Well, right. Um, right. We talked about like there's there's a scene at the end where they're they're cutting using a samurai sword to cut all the way to the center. And of course, when you when you cut the maze, the Minotaur reacts and it's, it's it's a very exciting scene, hopefully. Um, and we talked at one point about doing a green screen shot and then having a miniature and doing an overhead and seeing this, Mm -hmm. it's like, yeah, it's conceptually interesting, but I actually don't think it would work. Like what works about this is that you never get out of the maze. You're, you're as trapped. The audience is as trapped as the characters. So if you have this claustrophobic, yeah, you're the the fifth beetle. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. You, you're on the journey with them. And then if you have this bird's eye view, then you're like, it would yeah. totally take you out of it. Yeah. And also we couldn't afford it. and It was complicated. So maybe we're just justifying it to ourselves, right. but
0: really random reference, but you know, garden state, Zach Braff's movie, it played at Sundance, wherever it played. And then before it got distribution, they gave him like, half a million dollars to reshoot some stuff and to just make the movie a little flashier. Is that why there were all
1: those crane shots all Yeah. Of a so you remember yeah, yeah, that yeah. scene
0: yeah. where they were yelling on top of like a cliff and yep. like that turns into a giant drone shot. Like it's that's so like one bad. of the shots they added. And it's like, you're saying the movie had a scope and a size and a tone that felt and right. Intimacy. And then yeah. And that then all blown. of a sudden you have these giant, super wide, like aerial shots. That and shot like, is maybe my least favorite shot <laughs> of, <laughs> <any> <laughs> of that scene <laughs> of ever. Like, but that's yeah. like what you're, you had the foresight to say, like, that's an awesome shot, but it just doesn't fit in this movie. Yeah. And there's we, a you know, ceiling we were to our maze. We really
1: starting to break it down before, you know, we went a pretty far, not super far down the, the down the road with it, but. We were considering it for a while before we found and the the solution is just a whole series of increasingly tighter shots of the sword just making impact with different surfaces Mm -hmm. and like rooms that we didn't get to visit with with the characters but that are like there's like an aquatic room and (laughs) and a planetarium and you're like oh and there's one room where the we projected one of our cardboard walls onto a stretchy fabric when the sword hits the wall it's like and it stretches and you're like oh there are all these rooms. That they've we that they're experiencing seen. that we haven't even seen, and it's all super. T- I mean, it was me using the sword, so you don't see any actors' hands even. Right. Um, it was all super close and intimate, and the exact opposite of the shot we were planning
2: for, to to create the same sense. And I think it was it was far more effective for it. Uh, so, Bill, so Bill, you've got the audience award at Slam Dance. Mm-hmm. You got a killer movie for sure. It's gonna find its way into. Movie theaters, Netflix, VOD, Hulu, something like that. Coming right? soon to theaters near some of you in August. Hey, congrats, man. <laughs> awesome. Thank you. Um, what What does that mean to uh, your future and your career and your aspirations? I am in a very good place. Um, I
1: was approached, we got a, a fair amount of press going into slam Dance, and I think our movie was different enough that we got uh, our teaser out there. I think Deadline Hollywood ran it, a couple other outlets ran it, and I started getting um a couple calls from agents and managers i was unrepresented when i made the, the film um and uh out of slam dance i got i got great reps representatives basically um, where'd you get rep um i'm at uta uh and brilstein oh cool awesome and i'm really psyched and they're 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 big agencies but that's not why i signed with them which is something I'm probably supposed to say, but, um, I actually had long conversations with them about the kind of movies I want to make. I want to make weird stuff. And they're like, we want you to make weird stuff. I was like, great. As and you long had as that's multiple the case. offers. Like these are the ones yeah. you settled on. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, maybe a bit of advice. I might've rushed that decision. I have no buyer's remorse. I'm in a great place, but, um, you know, there's that sense of like strike while the iron's hot, but you don't know how long that Iron is going to be hot, and mm-hmm. when you're at Slam Dance and your first screening sold out and your phone's ringing, you're like, "Is this? Is it just tonight that the iron's going to be hot, or is right, my iron right. going to be hot for a couple weeks?" You right. know,
2: because you do know it is going to cool off at a certain point. Exactly. Like it's reasonable. It would be great if it was just one night. That's okay. You right. know, um, and all, all you
1: need is
0: that one. Right. And you're. It's such a. To me, I used to be an engineer before this, and I always talk about how like I had some good days and I had some bad days, but in general, I was like, they're all pretty good. But as a filmmaker, you have these like
1: insane high highs right. and these insane <laughs> yeah. low lows. And You don't want to make a panic decision. You don't want to make a rush decision. And I certainly vetted everybody before before signing. But um, offers did continue to come in even after I had I had made my commitment. So again, no buyer's remorse. I could not be happier with where I am. But but maybe a, a bit of advice is is you can afford to play the field if you mm-hmm. if you feel like you've got that momentum going or maybe consider whether or not you can afford, I don't want to be the guy who tells you that. Right. And then your phone <laughs> stops right. ringing and like that fucking mm-hmm. bill guy.
2: Like I didn't sign with um, CIA because of bill.
1: Right. But basically by our world premiere, I was, I was picked up by UTA and Brillstein, which I, I didn't see coming. It was overwhelming. Um, and you had a, a PR company helping. Yeah. That stuff? Yeah. We, we had um, submarine was our sales agent and there was a PR uh, publicist. They'd worked with that. One of our other producers had spoken highly of as well. So they gave us a great deal and they killed it on the ground. Uh, leading up to and and on the ground in Park and they're part of awesome. the reason why you were sold out and why you got wrecked Yeah, I think so. Yeah, because they uh, it was one of our producers who had the deadline contact, but they brought you know Submarine and and Big Time PR. It just brought a legitimacy, mm-hmm. um, yeah. and it, that's the biggest. That's what we, basically what we've been talking about this whole time: is how do you look legitimate to right, other people? Right. That's kind of the theme of the whole. Right, just getting stuff it out made. Of cardboard. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so the process now is they they actually hosted the screening at UTA uh, to invite only to they invited a bunch of studio heads and other creatives and creative producers and people that they just it's like we said, it's a litmus test. Like you're either going to be psyched to see a movie about a guy who gets trapped in a box or you're going to think it's dumb. And if you're going to think it's dumb, we're probably not going to want to work together. Yeah, sure. (laughs) Because I think it's pretty awesome. Um, So then there's the process has been going on a lot of generals and then um, generals is uh, short term for general meeting. Um, where you meet with a production company you sort of get to know each other feel each other out and then sometimes they say So what do you want to do next and you sort of can organically bring up? Mm-hmm. It's not a pitch meeting, but you can organically bring up some of the ideas some of the things you're thinking about um, So and, so that's I think this is a really th- this
0: is kind of like where most people fail, right? Right Is like in that when you're in that meeting and they're like, what do you want to do next? And you're like, well I don't know, you know, it'd be cool to do a thriller <laughs> or something like Fight Club, which is pretty much what I said Uh, and they're like, okay, you got a script No, but you
1: know, I've been working on some stuff. Yeah. That's, um, what did you say? What do you say? Another big bit of advice is if you can have that second script ready, um, Steve and I had three ideas. Well, we had two ideas that we were really excited about. And then a third one that came up at slam dance that we're super excited about. Um, so I was able to say, I've got these three ideas, you know, mm-hmm. um, and I did talk to the reps about these three ideas and what, <laughs> what makes the most sense going forward with kind of the career path we're looking to to do, which sure. is like something 1.5 to 3 million, maybe mm-hmm. something that's in a similar weirdness to Dave made a maze, but not repent, not repeating right, myself. Right. So we, we landed on an idea. That's all bubble wrap. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> it's all marble. So they, you know, they sort of greenlit an idea that Steve and I had that, and the process for me now is, um, and it's Sorry, hard because, Uh the, the agents said like, this is what you should, this is what you should be working on next. Um, which was good because it was the idea that we had the most fleshed out and it's affordable and, um, and it's very, very, very much from the minds of Dave Made A Maze. So, um, but the script isn't there yet. Steve and I are working on that now. So what I have done in the meantime, and I highly recommend this because it really helped me get my head around the project, and it certainly helps other people understand what I'm going for, is a lookbook. Like a really nice Photoshop, Mm -hmm. you know, using a ton of visual references and starting to talk about your themes. And then as you start to do that, you start, uh, again, starting with that theme, then the story points start to reveal themselves to you, and and it just all starts lining up pretty nicely. So I just finished like a 35-page lookbook that is the major story beats, the major characters, a couple casting suggestions. Mm -hmm and, uh, and the themes and, and sort of the visual approach. And where are you pulling those images from? Um, it's just all Google image searches, films that I love, actors that I love moments that I love. Um, for example, this one has a monster in it. So there's one collage that's these classic Harryhausen monster moments. And it's like, yeah, it's going to look better than Harryhausen. I mean, Harryhausen is a God. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, it's gonna, it's gonna be slightly more modern than Harryhausen in terms of its, its reality. But, it's going to make you feel like that felt mm, cool. um so it's that it, it's just it's a lot of it is about um is, is about generating a feeling and having not it's things that either are super specific so you're like that or vague enough that you can project your movie on to what's going on like color palettes and things like that
2: in this lookbook are you taking it with you on these generals are you saying as no, oh, it's like a leave behind this is going to be the no? follow-up for the generals mm-hmm um it's sort of you know it's, it's
1: a chess game i'm buying some time so we can write the script and, and finish it more also there's a chance you know based on how much they like dave made a maze and whether or not they're really excited about the lookbook there's a chance to get some development money mm-hmm. or to set something up early like two, two of the generals i've walked out of they're like we want to make a movie together um based on you know just personality what we riffed on and some talked about. production companies mm-hmm. um so then if i can follow up with this then there's a good chance that we could get uh, an attachment early on you know and and continue basically between us and whoever listens uh to buy time to to get the script where it needs to be i mean we had the luxury with the made a maze of luxury of taking three years to raise the money but in those three years we could just keep going back to the script and just tightening and tightening and tightening we don't have that now it's it's a lot like you know a, a band spends five years finding its sound and making its first record they get right. a deal and they're like we need your second album in six months and like well we had five years to Right. You know, and now suddenly we just have to crank out songs. That's not what we do. Right. Um. There's there's definitely a parallel there. So I, I would certainly advise you to be prepared for that. Like I knew the question was going to be, what else are you working on? And I the answer is not this script that I'm handing you, but I had right. an answer. Mm-hmm. And just to be clear, even
0: though you're with a giant agency, even though you're with a giant agency in the oh, yeah, company, back. I'll come back. Just <laughs> Will you come back to our audience? No, even though you're this giant agency and this great management company and you tell them, here are some ideas I'm throwing around and they say, go and write this one.
1: No one's paying you to do Correct. That. Yeah. It's all, it's all on spec, which is tough because you know, all of our personal money is in Dave made a maze and Dave made a maze. I couldn't ask for more out of the festival experience, but it's not making money and it costs money to mm-hmm. go to festivals. Even when they fly you out, it's still. Do you know about the screening fees? We have, we've been, we've been negotiating screening fees, um, but that doesn't come, you know, all our screening fees together from 20 festivals doesn't pay for the trailer that we just had to shell out for. Right. You know? Right. But
0: um, I think eventually once, cause you've been to a lot of festivals already, that's something we didn't When My first movie came out. We didn't even know that you could say like, instead of buying me a ticket and getting me a hotel room and all this stuff, just give us like $500 Yeah, that you can do that. Yeah. But then, you know, I it mean, it all went back to our movie. It's not like it went personally to us, but it was still something that was like generating a little revenue and giving the movie a little like financial value. And you didn't feel bad about not going to all these festivals. Yeah.
1: What's crazy is what, and what I was not prepared for at all and I'm going through right now is how expensive, stressful and time-consuming that the the deliverables are for a distributor oh yeah i don't know if you guys have talked about that before but you know we haven't really have we i don't think so it's it's a lot like the the i mean technical things like chain of title and and script clearances and you know insurance you know insurance um mpa rating if you're going to do that we it turns out we don't have to so that saves us a lot of time and money but Also, we were in a mad rush for Slamdance. We submitted a very incomplete film. We found out on Thanksgiving that we got in, and we were screening in January. And you've Uh, seen the film. So the the puppet scene had been shot but not edited. The zoetrope hadn't been designed or shot or edited. We had not scored the film, and we had not begun. None of the reels were locked, and we hadn't begun sound design. We had to do all of that in two months. That's why
0: when you get rejected by Sundance
1: and Slamdance, everyone's like, well... It's a blessing
0: in disguise (laughs) because you actually get to finish your movie. Right. right.
1: So we screen, we went in saying, okay, the movie we're screening at Slamdance is not the movie we're going to distribute. And then we got a distribution deal, which is, you know, we're in the 1% of movies and they're like, okay, we need everything now. And I'm like, Oh, so, and you're like, this isn't the movie. This isn't, and and, uh, these changes that I'm making these fixes, I'm not going all George Lucas in the movie, but there were things in the sound mix that were missing. There were ADR lines that got dropped somehow. There were, things that just there's one vfx shot that we had we had to go for a digital comp when it was meant to be a miniature and and now we have time to i'm shooting the miniature tomorrow night hey hey Um, awesome so it's it it, it's actually not finished all those things continue to cost money and there's a huge deadline hanging over our head with these deliverables so it's like deliverables for a distribution can become a full-time job and it's one that costs you money
0: and people don't realize you can negotiate like a lot because a lot of companies will just give you like a boilerplate like here is what we need hd cam tape Mm -hmm. dv ntsc four by three cutout like this thing this all these things that they will never use but they just like it's their standard list of things that they want it's like we're still redlining printing from 1998 (laughs) right like who needs a four by three you know standard def like interlaced copy right, of your right. film Interlace but they'll nice. probably ask for it you know
1: we're still we're we're going with the company we're going with we're super happy with them they're they couldn't be more they were at the world premiere they've been, they've wanted us ever since they're super enthusiastic great company honored to be with them but we're still even as we're get, handing in our deliverables uh at, at considerable time and expense to us we're still haggling the contract we're still negotiating sure. the contract yeah. and All it's right. gonna happen none of us are worried about that but it's just like yeah you can afford to ask for things you don't have to sign the thing that's handed in front. I mean, it's the same in every industry, but like, know know your value. Yeah,
0: right. Something. Uh, one of the things you need to submit deliver with a movie is like a list of time codes and the dialogue that is said at each time code, and um, which character says it. And I did it. That my movie was had subtitles the whole movie, so like I wrote a little like script oh, nice. that took my project file and like generated it for me. And my producer recommended me to a few other producers, so for like a few months I was just like. Someone would give me like 500 bucks to watch a movie and just like type out <laughs> all the dialogue in a time. <laughs> I had to do it by hand, but uh, it's like one of those things like you never think about that you're going to have to spend money to sure. make a document that has every line of dialogue. Your Spanish movie. subtitles, yeah.
1: you know, even for a domestic release, you need Spanish yeah. subtitles. Oh, you also
0: need a document that describes every shot. Yeah. Uh, so that one actually would take the label of the shot in like Final Cut or Premiere or whatever and have it so it'd be like close up see you Michael or whatever nice. and so um yeah it's the deliverables are crazy yeah it's
1: it's, it's, it's endless a it's podcast, a full time I mean. job yeah well it, so well, and,
2: and the, it never goes away I was having lunch <laughs> with a producer yesterday and it was like yeah I we distributed this movie six years ago and I literally have to go do something for it today DVD extras yeah you know <laughs> if you're gonna
1: yeah. pay for a DVD you gotta have something extra so we're like scrambling to Dude, find podcast DVD, mics to man. do a Hey, Amen. Commentary track, you know hey, that. You, kind of you thing. need to borrow. <laughs> Appreciate <Yeah>. it. <laughs> Are you? You're gonna do a DVD? Yeah. Um. I think, and we talked about it, and it's one of the reasons I like the company we're with with this movie, you know, things like the people in Chattanooga physically building something. It's it's a very tactile film mm-hmm. from beginning to end, and it has, it's got cult classic written all over it, or cult written all over it. I don't want to call my own movie a classic. That's super pretentious, but um, it. I think there's going to be a core group of our fans who are going to want to own something they can hold in their hands. And especially
2: if it's a cardboard, exactly case with and, the, with know. the
1: movie that, that whose main character is basically production design to right. not take the opportunity to let that design spill over into some sort of physical product. feels like a wasted opportunity. And, and, and are you, know, you making a Blu-ray also? Mm-hmm, mm, yes. And a DVD. Oh, right. That I don't even know. I know it's been negotiated, but I don't know the answer. And I'm not wow. being cagey. I actually don't yeah. remember. <laughs> I mean, this is I probably just Blu-ray, I, or probably just dvd I don't know. I this don't is very remember.
0: subjective advice that is way too late to give you. And no, please I, ignore. It's actually not too late. Tell you so please. My first movie, which was made in 2009, there's like 50,000 or maybe 100,000 DVDs of it sitting in a warehouse in Arizona that we paid for. Right. Right. We paid like five dollars a piece for. It, and I still can't get one for free. No, I have like in my basement i have like <laughs> yeah, a thousand of like We've people actually... don't buy dvds of independent films it's their standard death you know right like up uh, streaming on netflix or itunes is just a way better experience and maybe if you like created some really cool cardboard container that you know but that's like just really exp- you're gonna you're gonna pay to make the dvds just right. know that right yeah and no matter and like if, if you pay to make 100,000 and they sell 50,000, you've just spent a lot of money on 50,000 DVDs that no one will ever see. Our, our DVDs were in every Walmart in America, and they probably sold about 30% of them. Back when people yeah, were still when people buying were still DVDs, buying stuff, right, even in like right, the yeah. junk thing. And we had to pay for shipping. We had to make, pay for the DVD, pay for shipping to Walmart, and then pay for shipping back, back from Walmart for whatever they didn't sell.
1: So, would you, in that regard, if there is going to be a physical product, a physical leave behind, would you recommend Blu-ray only? Because it's a, it's an we, elevated experience from streaming.
0: We never made the Blu-ray because the, our distribution company, which distributed a ton of indie films, um, said they just they're too expect that they're they cost so much more to make than DVDs to press mm-hmm. that it and it was just this like. It's not quite laserdisc, you know. Like right. I know Matt still buys Blu-rays, but in five years, them. like our kids will not know what a Blu-ray is, yeah, yeah. Like guaranteed, you know. Right. But they'll know what streaming videos are. Um. So they'll be like,
2: this, "Why does my dad have all of these weird plastic things?"
0: Right. Like I think making posters is cool, making collector's items, making samurai sword out of cardboard, whatever. Yeah. Like there's merchant. Like we made money on merchandising. We made T-shirts and. Yeah, and posters we've, and things. we've been doing well with t-shirts on, um, the, on the festival circuit. But the DVDs, that's like, you know, the other thing is like that your distribution company is charging you like $5 per DVD, even though it costs them 35 cents. There's markups and yeah. all those things. And even though at the end they're like, sorry, we didn't make any money. We lost money on it too. They like actually made money on those margins and you see no money, you know, that, yeah. that, that was my experience. But the theater is, is just fun, you know, because the theater is it's hard to make your money back to, but right. But but it's fun and it's worth it. And it's no one's like really ripping you off there. I think and you do get on the DVD side.
1: You can get a certain price point, um, on streaming, uh, video on demand for in theaters. Now you can get a higher price point Mm. in that first week. Oh, right. Yeah. The on demand stuff. And yeah. Yeah. if you hit a certain number of theater, it's all extremely complicated, but right. I think if you play 10 cities from a list of 23 cities, like Comcast will qualify you as in theaters now on all of their platforms or something like that it's it's right. that specific yeah yeah
2: that makes sense
0: um and so to find out how to see the movie you go to davemadeamaze.com
1: we're on instagram and, and facebook and twitter as well but the davemadeamaze.com actually has a an email sign up where we're alerting by city oh, because cool. we may be doing it looks like we may be doing a tour of one-offs leading up to the theatrical release in cities where it isn't being theatrically released. Let me recommend driving a tank to each each theater. Oh, a cardboard tank. I
0: really want to see this movie. Bill would not show it to me. I've seen four (laughs) clips in the trailer.
1: You saw the best four clips, though. (laughs) Cool. And now I found out how it ends just from (laughs) interviewing you. That's the only reason we
0: called you. Well, cool. So, uh, you know, we told you about this segment we do called unpaid endorsements where Mm -hmm. we talk about cool things that
2: we've seen this week. Unpaid endorsements I've got a real real specific weird one. So uh while I was in Chattanooga, uh Bill Bill and I were talking off mic before the podcast started about how we we both research where to get good coffee in each city. Mm. I love I love getting coffee from um a city that I'm visiting as my souvenir. That's like my favorite thing to do. But so I found this place called uh, Velo, V-E-L-O, maybe it's Velo, depending on how you want to pronounce it. Um, in Chattanooga, they're like uh, revolutionizing the coffee game in the South. It's like them and Revelator are like big, big brewer, or roasters there that are awesome. But they do a, a thing called a bunny hop. Do you guys know this? History? I don't know the bunny hop, and so, I, I do like good coffee. A bunny hop is... like a is, beer hop for coffee? I don't know what a beer hop is. I mean, a bar hop, a bar. Oh, oh, no, no. No, a bunny hop is a type of drink. You mean like a bar crawl? A bar yeah. crawl, yeah. No, <laughs> well, no. yeah. So it is, uh, a bunny hop is uh, 50% cold brew, 50% sparkling water with just a kiss of uh, honey. So like a honey simple syrup, just a little bit. Hmm. And it is uh, all of the good parts of like a soda, a soda without it being sweet. You know, it's just a tiny, tiny bit. Really refreshing, so good. Huh. So, uh, is it unique to that place, or is it that like is, a new thing? It is unique to that place, but I've been making them at home and experimenting oh, nice. with it. So that is what I recommend. It's like like a nice dry mineral water, and then a what? little bit Old of cold brew. Like uh, I've been can? experimenting. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll kind of like pick a, different places, but they do sell. Uh, they do sell it online, so you can order it if you want to get bunny hops shipped to you. Wow, like in a jar? Or in, a, a, like in a in a bottle, bottle, like in a yeah wow and it is incredible
1: so try it at home really and i i tend i tend to say if it's not hot it's not coffee but that sounds really good really good i mean i'm the guy who gets the double shot americano six ounce americano on a one hundred and two degree day. Yeah, yeah. They're like, you want that iced? I'm like, you want to go fuck yourself.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I also only drink hot coffee. Well, so this one, I think, because it's cold brew, but then it's cut by the water, it's not quite as strong. So, like, sometimes right. like a, a cold brew a, me a little. Cold brew make makes me
1: super jittery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I will, my eye will start
2: twitching. Yeah, I
0: cannot handle it. I'm I'm always like endorsing Adobe products. Like, I love all the Adobe stuff, but this is an anti-Adobe endorsement there's this website I just heard about on this other podcast reply all it's called have I, been <laughs> I you know have I been p-w-n-d.com. uh and you put in your email address there and it tells you if you your email address was hacked was stolen for what what information of yours has been stolen oh wow uh, and there's a big hack for adobe so when I put my email address in there was Adobe and LinkedIn, I think had like a big data breach also in yeah. my, my email address, phone number, address, and some other, my password, I think from MySpace or something has been leaked. So it's kind of like an eye-opening website, put, go there, you put your email address in and they'll tell you what information of yours has been leaked. And it might, maybe, you know, some people haven't been pwned, but if you have most change people, your passwords, most people have been pwned. Yeah, it's yeah. a safe bet.
2: You know what? I'm gonna jump in because of the Adobe. Actually, I was I was working on a project where we used the VHS filter on from Red Giant. Have you guys used this filter? Yeah, part mm-hmm. of the universe. Part Red of the universe. universe. So, like in general, I think Red Giant does really cool stuff. But like, I can tend to be a little bit of a snob. I like to like set my own color grades and you know kind of do things by hand, right? I think there's a little right. craftsmanship no magic to it. No magic too. bullet for me. But the VHS uh, plug-in from, from Red Giant is so awesome and pleasurable. <laughs> it's got like, you know, super beta, SVHS, standard oh VHS. You can like, uh, like set up like how frequent like tape rolls are, jitter. all oh like, my gosh. Uh, and it's just like I, I've never had a more – Pleasurable experience with a plugin. Like me and my my editor were just like giggling, trying out each different plugin, <laughs> and they all look awesome. So, yeah, uh, you need more plugins because that's the feeling I get with every plugin. <laughs> yeah, but, but but most of the time they they don't like fall off the truck looking good, right? Do you know what I mean? Like they take a little bit of finessing. You have to watch a tutorial to see like how people really make them work and really dial them in. But this VHS plugin is just like stupid good. I bought, I subscribed to Red Giant Universe
0: just for that plugin. Oh really? I mean, I had a job where I was making all these VHS looking tapes and I like checked out how Freddie W did it, you know, and all these big YouTubers that made these amazing VHS looks and they all do it the same way. They fricking get a VCR. Right. (laughs) They put, they play, they convert the tape and then they play it back and redigitize it. Oh wow. I'm not going to do that. And then I, (laughs) I found this is the only filter that like, is looks really really good
1: yeah i have two things i would love to plug i know it's not fair but one of them is super not interesting and well it's (laughs) not fun um but i have it i owe so much to it one of the i I met with all the directors that i had worked not all but many of the directors i had worked with and said like what do i need to know what am i going to do wrong any advice you know taking them out to dinner taking them out to lunch talk to me about my first film and one of them put me on this book we already talked about uh suddenly the mets making movies which is a must but um directing actors by judith weston mm. oh, yeah. i loved it 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 like increased my preparation tenfold it's been huge for me as an actor actually to for breaking down scenes and just having more answers it 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 The the biggest thing about being a director is you get asked so many questions and you have to have the answers or you have to appear to have the answers or you have to find engaging ways to not have the answers. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had so many more answers because of that book and the work that it encouraged me to do in prepping a scene. I don't touch anything as an actor or director without going through its process of breaking down a scene. Um, I I just can't not thank Thank her in that book for that. To, but it's not super fun.
0: To, well, no, it, to build on that, she does this service, which I used before I made my first movie, where you send her the script and she'll sit down with you for two hours and talk about it.
1: Oh, really? I didn't yeah, know that
0: And the performances.
1: Yeah. Oh, awesome.
0: And it was really helpful. I mean, it's kind of like a therapy
1: session a little bit, but right. Well, most, most of these <laughs> things are but, Good. Uh, in the acting class I've been in. It's like, Oh, we got to talk about this girl's boyfriend again. She <laughs> yeah, Right. right. Um, basically she
0: just kind of tells you, asks you questions about the characters and then you just ask the actors those same questions. And then it's like, they're like, wow, this director is really deep. Right. <laughs> like, I, oh, I, I, I love, love I loved it. I loved it. She has the second book too, you know, about that one it's I don't. called intuition. It's
1: more. It's about directing actors, also. Cool. I'll take. Yeah. I'll take a look because I I do love that book. I'm so glad yeah. I I went through it. But the other thing I really want to plug, and it, it's probably past its time, but I don't know that anything is in the streaming world. I don't know anybody who's been talking about taboo, the, the Tom game? the Tom Hardy show.
2: Oh, wow. I don't think I know it at all. Exactly. Never heard of it.
1: It's on <laughs> FX uh, or was. Um, I'm sure they're not going to get a second season because it looked insanely expensive, but. And maybe it's just I haven't been overexposed to Tom Hardy because a lot of it is just him walking around with a cool hat. <laughs> mm-hmm. and you're like, I gotta watch this all day. Sounds like a Nicholas um, Wyndon riffin movie. <laughs> but it's, uh, it's, it just doesn't stumble. It's a whole season that doesn't stumble. The pilot won't light you on fire and make you like die for the next episode. But if you just sit in it, It's it's one of the most rewarding seasons of television I've ever watched.
2: Wow. And and what's the what's the premise? What's the
1: I don't even know that I could tell you because it is so complicated. It's a it's set during the American Revolution. It's uh, ultimately about um, uh, Trade rights Um, with a northeast Uh, india trade company and who owns nobody watching this (laughs) exactly and who owns a certain piece of property near vancouver that's going to be pivotal in the trade that's to come with the america that is to come which is not interesting and yes that's what the show's about but that's not what the show's about yeah yeah, it's got like it's got voodoo and it's got incest and it's got um ghosts and but it doesn't feel super genre it just Mm -hmm. feels like it's it's the 1870s and this shit is going on and you just have to live with it (laughs) um it's it's dark it's grimy it's very violent there isn't a single person who's miscast in a giant ensemble it's all your favorite european actors just killing jonathan price tom hardy femme Patenta, um uh all, all the dudes from snatch like it's just it's just awesome and and it disappeared and it needs to be seen. If you're at all a genre fan, you definitely have to see it because it does scary and horror in a way I haven't seen on television, but it's not a horror show. It's just so it's so real. And and it, it gets experimental when they go into the voodoo trances and stuff. It's it's so much and so dark and so weird. I've never seen anything like it. I've never seen a series of television maintain a quality level that consistently um it just doesn't stumble and if you're not sick of tom hardy you're gonna fall in love because i he's just so engaging
0: taboo oh, good. also bill
1: works for the taboo
0: <laughs> <companies>. <laughs> i'm tom
1: hardy's assistant yeah uh, no wow i will check it out i've never heard of it but do do last be on the pilot because it isn't one of those pilots like like lost or something uh, like that right. where you're like i'm immediately in you're like that was crazy and i couldn't even recap it for you right but there's something about it. And then by the third, it was like, I was watching it in real time as it was coming out. And when an episode would end, it was always like, it was like the old days, the episode ended and we were like, God damn it. I I can't wait a week. Yeah. Yeah. It was, I just loved being engaged with television like that. Again, I hadn't had that sort of week to week week television experience in so long
0: well thanks for listening guys thanks for uh being on the being on the podcast it's an honor yeah i know you're on your press tour i hope we didn't we didn't ask you too many questions you've heard this was
1: very fresh i don't i feel like i didn't repeat myself at all good i needed
0: that validation (laughs) um cool so uh how can we find you again we have dave
1: com. Uh, your own personal twitter website yeah i met bill Tweederson on twitter super clever solid uh i'm i'm not that bill watterson on instagram because i did not write calvin and Hobbes. right But then again neither did you um which is my tagline on instagram, sure, sure. So i shouldn't have repeated that i'm a one one trick uh, pony um use the buyer material and then i do I, I do have a professional facebook page at william bill Waterson. I don't use it a ton because I'm actually doing most of the social media for Dave. So mm. if I'm going to do something, I want to do it for the movie, at least at this stage. Right. Um, and then I'm going to make a super weird movie about a musician that has a bunch of monsters in it. So watch, watch awesome. for that. Looking forward <laughs> to it.
2: Yeah,
0: cool. Well, you can find uh, our more about our website and the show notes and everything at justshootitpod.com. Uh, if you get a chance to leave us a review on iTunes, we really appreciate it. And we'll read your review just like we did in this episode. And uh, you can give us a call at one six two six two shoot
2: one Yep. Leave one. us a voicemail. We're looking forward to it. Uh, you can find us uh, on Twitter at Just Shoot It Pod and me at Mr. Madden Low And me at Smitey Leg.
0: And the music <laughs> for this episode was provided by the Free Music Archive and the artist
2: Jazar.